Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. All right, awesome. So we are uh, in the middle of a series. This is part five of the series. I, I have to take a moment before we jump into the series to, to, uh, to, to tell you, we have just had an incredible week. God is so good, amen? And, uh, and this, this week has been a little discouraging for me. I, I can't even tell you what it is. It's just been this heaviness on me, but I wouldn't tell you. It, it, I felt it on Thursday and on, on Friday, I, I got, a, I got a, a card in the mailbox, and it was very encouraging, and then Saturday, I got a random text message from somebody saying, we love you, I just want to encourage you, and then, and then this morning, I had somebody come up to me and say, God just wanted me to tell you that he loves you, and, and I'm like, man, I needed that, I just needed that, to lift my heart and lift my spirit, and, and God is faithful, he sends, sends people to encourage you right in those moments, so I just wanted to give him glory and say thanks publicly for what he's doing for me and who's encouraging me, God's good, amen, you guys say amen to that, for, for real, it's, it's wonderful. And uh, to have people in your life. So uh, I wanted to, uh, to uh, take the, the time now to do this. I didn't want to do it earlier. A lot of people show up uh, later in the song service. And so I wanted to make sure this announcement didn't go unheard by everybody. But our grow groups start very soon. Uh, they start... The, fifth, the week of the 15th. And what is a grow group? A grow group is part of our apprenticeship, being apprentices of Jesus. We feel like the way that you learn how to be like him is in Christian community, okay? And so part of that process, we call it connect, grow, serve. Connect is when you come here on Sunday mornings, you slap people high fives and say, hey, how was your week? It's nice to meet you. It's good to see you. And then that's kind of where the relationship may, may fizzle out right there. But we want to go deeper with each other. We want to get to know each other. We want to walk with each other as we grow in Christ and can serve each other and love each other. And we do that through the next step. So that's connect, that's grow. Our grow part is in our grow groups. And that is essentially a group that meets in a house or meets at a pancake house or wherever you guys like to do it. I'm leading a men's one this time, and we are having breakfast on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. So if you want to join me, sign up for mine. We are going to eat some sausage and bacon and pancakes. It'll be good. Ten weeks, bless God. So, all right. So uh, anyway, so the grow groups are wonderful. You get in there and you can fellowship with people, and there's a study that you gather around. And so I want to encourage you. All those will be available for you. Uh, watch for them to be posted up on Facebook. A lot of you follow us on Facebook. It'll be an online registration. You can pick which class works out good for you. There'll be a marriage one, uh, and there'll be some general Christian ones as well, and uh, also one called SC Connect. It's Simple Church Connect. You want to get involved or know what we're all about? You can do that through that group and. Uh, and we, and we love that, and that one in particular is one of my favorites, and I come in and lead an evening of that as well. And so you'll have an opportunity to sign up for all those, so please look for that and sign up. Get involved. Get connected. If you're feeling disconnected from the church, that's what you're missing. You're missing fellowship with other Christians. So get involved in our grow groups, and then, of course, the last step in that is to connect, grow, serve. If you want to get to know people, serve. Dive right in. You don't have to go to any class. You don't have to be a partner with the church to serve. You can fill out your, your Connect card and mark on the back, I want to get involved, and somebody will hook you up somewhere, and you can serve, whether it's up here in the band or children's ministries or in the cafe. We have a place for you. So, All right, so that, I didn't want to miss that opportunity to share that with you. I'm excited about those. Those are a lot of fun and a great part of what we do here at Simple Church. And this weekend, 
Uh, we had our Reynoldsburg's Got Talent open auditions right here on this stage, and we had this room shifted around several different ways. Now, Reynoldsburg's Got Talent is an event that we are putting on uh, in partnership with the Lions Club for February 28th, and the open auditions were yesterday, and let me tell you, there were some that were really great. We had a cheerleading squad in here that was really great, and a tap dance squad. We had people singing. We had all kinds of stuff happening in here. There was really, really great ones, and it's kind of like American Idol. There was some really, really... Not so great ones, too. And, um, and so we had a lot of fun in here doing that. But watch for more information on that talent show. It's going to be a wonderful thing. We're blessing the community by putting on the show. The city's rallying behind it, and, uh, and it all goes for charity. Uh, all the funds go for a charity called A Kid Again in the end. So we're excited about that. Lots going on around here at Simple Church. Man, if you are, are not used to this much energy on a Sunday morning, I am sorry. I'm sorry. They talked to me after first service. They said, how much coffee did you have this morning? I said, lots. Why? <laughs> talking a, apparently, I was talking really fast. So I'm going to try to slow it down and tame it down for you all. Second service. So, All right. So we're in the fifth part of this study. And uh, Daniel is, uh, we're, we're going through the book of Daniel. Daniel is a prophetic book. What does that mean? Well, the Old Testament is divided up into books of history, and then there are books of poetry, and then there are books of prophecy. And Daniel is one of those books that fits there. It's one of those weird books because the first six chapters are history, so it could have gone in the history section of the Bible, or it could have gone in the prophetic section because of the last six chapters are prophetic. And so it wound up there, and, uh, and of course... The, the prophetic part is what we're going to look at next week, and that talks about things that are to come. God gave Daniel some dreams, and in those dreams it spoke about things that were to happen in the end times. And so we're going to look at that next week and say, are we really living in the end times? And uh, I think the answer is yes, and so we're going to dive into that next week, so be here with us next week. But, uh, but we spent the past few weeks looking at the, uh, the history section, looking at the stories, because they can teach us how to live our lives in a culture that has gone crazy, Okay. Uh, the first week, I'll just, I'll just give you a, a brief history. Uh, Daniel, of course, was a 16-year-old when King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came and took over Israel and, and took all the Jews that were there in Israel back to Babylon and made them all slaves. And so Daniel and his friends were about 16 years old, and they were faced with a major question that I believe we're faced with today. And that is, how do we live a godly life in a culture that doesn't value or embrace godly principles? How do we do that? So we've been going through the stories, learning the principles on how to be apprentices or disciples of Jesus in the culture of today. So briefly, here's where we've been. The first week, we talked about when culture shifts, it tries to rename you and gives you a new identity, tries to, tries to tell you you are not who God said you were. So we learned to hold on to God's identity. The second week, it was culture's greatest test, and we learned that, that culture will test you and try to take or steal your worship. We learned that the greatest battle that began all of this mess excuse me, is a battle for your worship. And the enemy doesn't want you to worship God and he wants you to worship something else. And so we learned through that, through that message to make sure we gave our worship to God and we were intentional about doing that. The third week was culture's greatest sin and I believe that that was pride. And we looked at King Nebuchadnezzar's life and how God was able to humble those that are proud and, and live prideful lives. And I believe that pride is, of course, at the root of every single sin because it exalts our will above God's and that in and of itself is sin and so that that launches all the other sins but we've we've learned to to accept god's best for us and uh and, and accept his truth for our lives through that message and then last week tim tool talked to us about the handwriting on the wall this is belshazzar this is nebuchadnezzar's son and he had forgotten what his father nebuchadnezzar had said about god and how god was awesome and that he could should humble himself and worship god and belshazzar 
completely forgot about that, wound up getting drunk with all his buddies and using the, the gold goblets from the temple to be drunk, and he, he commits sacrilege, and so God just sends a hand. I never thought about this, but God just sends a hand, Tim said. Not the whole body, just a hand to write on the wall and freak him out and tell him, hey, your days are numbered. And so we learned through, through all that, hey, we can't, we can't be running around like we do. We can't say yes to everything. There are certain things we have to say no to in order to be able to say yes to the things that God has for us. And so this week we're going to uh, jump into to, um, uh, talking about the solution, assuming that all those things are off, that we can't be full of pride or worshiping the wrong things, and, and, and how do we fix our identity crisis, and, and what is God's solution for a world in which the culture has gone mad. I, I have to tell you that I believe that the answer is you. See, there's no plan B here. See, God's already sent Jesus. Jesus has already come, and, and he's left us to be his representatives for him, right? It's up to us, and God sent the Holy Spirit to indwell in us and to help us be this expression of Christ here on this earth and to be an agent of change here in our culture. And the end times and the salvation of the world are riding on how you and I live our lives because they are watching they're watching us. And some Christians just want to keep to themselves, right? They, they, they look at that verse in the, in the Bible that says, come out from among them and be ye separate. And so they look at that and they say, all right, so it's our responsibility to just separate ourselves from those evil Christians or those evil sinners, even though they used to be one themselves. And now I'm going to separate from them. I'm going to stay in my house. I'm going to pull my blinds. I'm going to sit in my privacy fenced-in backyard. And, and I'm not going to look at them. We don't want to make eye contact with them because they're, they're sinners. And then we'll go to our churches and sit in our sanctuary oddly enough do you know that the word sanctuary means like to, it's protection against evil right that's why I kind of resist using that word for this space this is an auditorium it is available and, and open to every sinner like you and me amen and so the Christians though they want to sit in their sanctuaries and be protected from people and they want to they want to sit there and hang out until death or Jesus comes back and claims them one I don't know and they think that's a great plan and they're like yes that's awesome that's what I want to do but you know doing that is completely unbiblical it is not what God has called us to do. God has called us to, to come out from among them in our hearts and the way that we live our lives, like a light on a candlestick. We are to shine God's light in dark places, but that means we will have to be in the lives of other people in the world. We'll have to be. It's God's intention for us to live in the world and be his agents of change in our cultures and communities, that there would be things about us that those people would be drawn to. And that, of course, is the story of Daniel. Daniel is taken hostage out of his own country and brought to serve another kingdom as a slave. But everywhere he goes, there was something about him. And kingdom after kingdom identified this in him. He was under three different king's rules. And every single king put him into a place of honor, put him into a position of authority because there's something different about that guy. And I think that you and I should have that something Right? And I believe that that comes from being in relationship with Christ. So we're going to jump into the verses today. We're going to be in Daniel 6. If you need a Bible today, if you don't own one, we would love to give you one. The verses are also going to be up on the screen. But if you don't own a Bible, just raise your hand and one of our service hosts will give you a Bible. It is our gift for you, okay? But we'll be in Daniel 6, verses 1 through 5. And it begins, it says, It pleased Darius. Now Darius, of course, is the new king. Uh, he's the one who came and threw, overthrew Belshazzar. Belshazzar was the second king that... Daniel ruled under or served under in Babylon and, uh, and Darius came in he's the king of the Medes and the Persians and so it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps satraps are like governors okay so he's got 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom 
with three administrators over those 120, and one of whom was Daniel. Huh, go figure. Now, I don't know how it, how it works in your business, but when you come in and you take over a new business, you start looking at all the leadership, right? And the majority of leadership, whenever there's like a management change or a company gets bought out, what happens to them? They get cut. Leadership goes away, and then they put their own people in charge, right? We see this when we get a new president. This happens. And so it's quite possible that Daniel here is one of the only non-Persians given this amount of honor and position. And it's strange. Uh, It's strange because what was it about Daniel that Darius comes in and says, no, no, keep that one. I'm going to keep that guy around. What was it about him? There was something extraordinary in Daniel's life. So the verse continues on. It says the satraps were made accountable to them, to, to, those, uh, to those, those administrators. The, the governors were made accountable to the administrators so that the king might not suffer loss. So Daniel's job is essentially to make sure that all of those individual governors, the 120 or the ones that were assigned to him, he's to make sure that they're not stealing anything from the boss, that they're not taking a little bit for themselves and pocketing some of that tax money or any of the, any, anything. They're, they're, the boss doesn't lose anything. And so the verse continues on and says that now Daniel so distinguished himself. Now, if you and I are going to have influence in other people's lives, there has to be something distinguishing about us. There has to be something that sets us apart. If you want to make a difference, then you have to be different. You go first. If you want to, to change culture, and I believe that, that's God, that God has called us to reflect him and not reflect culture, we are to come in and to change it. And there has to be something that distinguishes us. You cannot be average and have influence. And Daniel, Daniel had that special something. The verse continues and says, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. That's how he distinguished himself. And that's where we're going today. There should be something exceptional about our lives, something distinguishing that sets us apart from others. And Daniel was so full of integrity, character, and excellence in the way that he handled his personal life, his professional life, and his relationships that the king was blown away by this. He not only put him over the governors, but the verse continues on and says that he planned to put him over his whole kingdom because there was something so awesome about him. Daniel's so incredible, he says, That's guy, that guy is going to be my top dude. i got to have him. The verse continues and says that this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Look, Daniel didn't bend the rules. He's not somebody who showed up 10 or 15 minutes to late, late to work every day. He's not somebody who stole the red swing line staplers. He did not steal the post-it note packs. He didn't take 15-minute stretch, stretch breaks that he made go a little longer in the 25 minutes. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't sleep on the job. He was a man of excellence. So much so that they couldn't find anything wrong with him. They were looking for something. And given that they were guys that were under Daniel, it is quite possible that they could have made messes that he would have had to clean up in order to make him look bad. It's possible. We don't know. But as the story goes on, the only thing they found to attack was his faith and his faithfulness to his faith in God. And that, of course, is how we know that Daniel wound up in the lion's den because they decided to attack his his prayer life 
And, uh, and, and so that story goes on. But exceptional qualities. What I want you to see here is that there is something extraordinary about Daniel. These exceptional qualities that put him in a place of high influence. And I believe that God is making his appeal through us, the body of Christ, to the world. And we need to embody those exceptional qualities that Daniel had. So what does that look like? What, what, what was it about Daniel that made him so extraordinary? And I, I feel like there's a few attributes we're going to learn today, practical things that we can do in our lives. And first, there's a few verses that I want to show you, what it looks like to be a person that represents Christ with exceptional qualities. Uh, we're looking at 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Stop right there, because that word spirit is the Greek word pneuma, okay? And that means it's the breath of God or the wind of God. The power of God that can change environments and circumstances, that's what the Holy Spirit is. It is the power of God to bring change on this earth. And so the verse continues and says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. And that makes sense. If we can get the supernatural power of God into places where people are hurting and there is darkness, then things would change. But if we just read the first part of this verse, then we would think that Excuse me, and assume that our part in this is just to pray, hey God, there's darkness in this area of somebody's life. Go do your spirit thing, go do your breathe thing, you know. That's supposed to be wind. Go do your wind thing and and set people free. And that's our responsibility if we stopped reading there. But the verse goes on. And it says, and we, that's us, folks. And we with who un who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, it says we, not just God. It's not just God's responsibility to send his Spirit. Look, he sent his Spirit to this earth, and he indwells in us. And so we have a role to play with the Spirit of God to bring change. And that unveiled faces, of course, just means that we have direct connection with God, and we all reflect God's glory Notice the word being here. Uh, it talks about being transformed. The being is a progressive word. In other words, we are slowly being changed. Look, you don't, you don't shoot your hand up at the end of the service and say, yes, Aaron, count me in. I want to say yes to Jesus. And the moment you're done praying that prayer, you are perfect without sin. You don't want to sin anymore. And you immediately know all the Bible. It's like that scene in The Matrix where he's like, they plug him in in the back and he goes, I know Kung Fu. Right? It's like not that, it's not that scene. It's not like that. It's a, pro, it's a progressive thing. It takes time for you to get to know the scriptures. It takes time for you to know how you're supposed to live this Christian life. We are being transformed. And so, what are we being made into? What are we being transformed into? Well, into his likeness. Into Jesus' likeness. We are being made like Christ. Every time we obey the word of God, we are taking one step closer to being like him. And if we're going to reflect God's glory, then we need to have the likeness of God or the attributes of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is what activates that in your life, okay? So I believe that we are transformed. As we are transformed, we'll be more like Daniel and have those exceptional qualities, right? So what are the tangible elements of God's glory? Like, what does that look like, Aaron? Is God's glory like this shiny thing? Is it the way that you're lit up right now? You know, is it like, what, it, what does that look like exactly? I believe that we can be found. We need to know what they are and we can find them from a few guys who actually saw the tangible elements of God's glory or the reflection of God's glory, they saw them in dreams and visions. John the disciple is one of them, and what he saw in that vision he wrote down in Revelation, Revelation 4, 6 through 7. He says, in the center around the throne, and he's, of course, describing the tangible 
presence of God or the, the reflection of God. He says, around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. So it's one creature, four faces, covered with eyes everywhere. Now, I'm with you. I know most of you, when you read verses like this, you're like, I'm out. That sounds like a spider and I'm out. You know what I'm saying? There's spiders in heaven. God's keeping them as pets in his throne room. I'm out. Don't want to go no more. Thank you. Nope. But that's, but that's not what it is, okay? So hang with me. This creature represents something. The next part of the verse is, And the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an eagle. Uh, I'm sorry, was like an ox. The third had a face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. So essentially, this creature is frightening. It has eyes all over and four faces. But it represents something. And most scholars tell us that it represents, uh, it's a representation of the glory of God. It's that tangible representation, right? And so here's another guy who saw the the same imagery two different times in his life. It's Ezekiel the prophet. That's in verses Ezekiel 1 and 10. He says, their faces look like this, describing the same creatures. He says, each of the four had the face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. On the left, the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle, and, uh, and we see here he's describing it the same way as John does, and he continues in verses 11 27, describing him further, and even says that they had these huge wings, and of course, now I get to that, and I'm totally tapping out. Like, a spider with wings is like my worst nightmare come true, you know what I'm saying? Totally passes. I'm a visual guy, right? So I'm reading the Bible going, holy crap, what are the eyes everywhere? What does this thing look like, you know? And I have no idea, but I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm, I am awestruck by a glorious God who has these creatures that are before him. Like, what in the world does that look like? I can't wait to get there and see, right? I can't. But they're not spiders. But Ezekiel goes on to describe the rest of the scenery, and it's magnificent. The, the, the creatures, they followed the Spirit of God wherever he went without turning to the right or to the left. And, and his description is just overwhelmingly beautiful of what he sees in the presence of God. And it's in verse 28, out of all the things that he sees, that this appearance was the likeness, these creatures was the likeness of God's glory. So go with me here. Daniel has exceptional qualities in his life. We believe that these were attributes of Christ, and we have to have these to reflect the glory of God. And Revelation and Ezekiel tells us that there's this creature in in God's presence with four faces that represents his glory. So it's important for us to understand what do these four faces represent, okay? That's our challenge today is to kind of navigate through that. And, and I think if we understand those things, then we'd be a better reflection of God's glory. I think we'd understand our role a little bit better. We'd have exceptional qualities and greater influence in the world around us. Okay, everybody good? We're solid? If you're not, just hang on. We'll get there. I know this is kind of deep stuff, but we'll get to some practical stuff in just a moment, okay? So let's look at these four faces. They're all attributes of Jesus that we saw during his earthly ministry. And, uh, and since we are his apprentices, we're, it means we do what he does. And so it's important to understand him. The first one is the face of the ox. And essentially, the face of the ox is the face of a servant, okay? Jesus came here and, and uh, uh, said that I came to serve, not to be served. And so the ox is, is uh, the servant. The ox carries loads from here to there. It plowed the fields so that the crops could be planted. The ox was also given as a sacrifice for the remission of sins back in the day. And so the ox was, was just like Jesus. Jesus comes to be served and, uh, to serve and not to be served, to give his life as a ransom for many. He was the ultimate servant. And in all that he did, it was just to serve people. He's told his disciples, if you want to be the greatest among you, serve each other. Serve. That's how you do it. To gain influence, you serve. And so we see this quality in Daniel because not only was Daniel a servant by force because he was a slave. He was a slave. He was, there. he was there forced to be there. He didn't have the option to leave. 
but he was also he was truly concerned about the affairs of others. How many of you know somebody that's in a job and they don't really care about the boss or the company? You know what I'm saying? They're there and they do a half job or things are constantly falling through the cracks. They don't want to be there, right? You know people like that, but there are, there are some people who have this thing about them. They care about the company. They care about other people, the concerns of other people around them. And they are exceptional people. And that was Daniel, because under Daniel's rule, Darius knew that he didn't have to be concerned about anything. He didn't have to be concerned about loss. In fact, it says that he didn't suffer any loss when Daniel was over him. Daniel didn't just do his job because he was made to. Daniel did it with excellence. He did it with excellence. And one of the greatest secrets to having influence in the world around us is serving people like Daniel did. The more we serve, the more of a voice we have. And certainly, in contrast to screaming, influence comes way better through serving. Some of us think that in order to be a good Christian, you have to tell people that they're going to hell. Like, we have to, like you have to stand on a soapbox, right, and say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and, and I will tell you that, 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 that there's a time for that, and there's a place for that, but it's always to be done in love and with grace. But the truth is that serving people is actually a much better model for reaching them than screaming at anybody ever will be. And that's what Jesus did. He served people. You know, here at Simple Church, we believe that so much that we've got serving wrapped up in in the why we exist statement. It goes like this. It says, we exist to make apprentices of Jesus who serve the world and reach the lost in response to their love for God and their love for people. Or we simply say it, love God, love people, serve the world. That's what you see on our t-shirts and all of our banners. That's what we're all about. We are about serving people. We believe that the outgrowth of loving God is to serve, is to be a servant like Jesus. And so that thought influences everything that we do here. It's why we go out and we join all of the city's outreach events. Some churches you go to, they, they have their events and it's internal and they say, come here and visit us. And I'm not slamming any of that. I'm just saying, that we believe we're to go, that we are a sent church. And so we go join the city's events, and when we go, we don't say, hey, we want to run this for you. We say, how can we serve? How can we be a part? What, what do you need us to do? Do you need toys? We got toys. We provided toys for the Halloween festival this year. We, we provided staff to, to staff all of their, their little uh, their, their games and stuff. There was thousands of people there. And we got to go there and be a part of that and to serve them. And we, we do that at all their events. How can we help? What can we do? And we have gained influence with the influencers of this city. God has positioned us in an incredible way because we choose to serve. And we're not looking to take over this city, but we are looking to win it for Jesus, amen? And that's all we're looking for. And so we go out and we serve this city the way that we do because of that. When we go to the food pantry, we, of course, serve them food because that's their physical need. But before they get in their cars, we wrap our arms around them and say, is there anything I can pray for you? You say, well, what if they don't believe in Jesus? I don't care. I believe in Jesus. I don't need them to for God to work in their lives. Amen? It doesn't matter what they believe. I can pray for that. I've had people tell me, man, I'm, this is my fourth time out of, an, out of uh, uh, alcohol recovery. Will you pray that I don't have to go back? Yes, absolutely. And people share their brokenness, and I pray with them and cry with them. And that's what people need. They need to be served. So we So we serve. But we don't get these kind of opportunities sitting in our backyards behind our privacy fences. A lot of times people's hearts are closed to hearing the gospel, but when you serve them and love them, all that changes. They're receptive. They're open to listening. 
So how can you serve people where you are? Not just within the walls of the church, outside of the walls, when you're out in your job. How can you do that? It's simple. Just prefer others. Give them preferential, preferential treatment. Like, how many of you guys, let me ask this, how many of you guys like to go to Chipotle? Come on, some honest people out here. All right, how many of you guys would go to Chipotle twice a day? All right, that's even less of you. Oh, there's a few. All right, see, I eat Chipotle twice a day. It's just wonderful for me. But, but how, you know when you go to Chipotle, when you get out of your car, you're eyeballing that door, but the next thing you do is scan the parking lot. Now, why are you looking at the parking lot? Because you know that there is going to be a line clear to the door, and you need to get in that line or you're going to be waiting even longer, right? And so you look around the parking lot, and you see somebody coming, and what do you do? You, you quicken up your steps a little bit. You start going a little faster so that you can get to the door so you can get in line. You guys know what I'm talking about. Come on now. Don't be hypocrites out there. You know who you are. I'm one of them. I'm like, kids, come on. You guys just go. Just run. Run. Your dad's got a bad back. Just run. Go. Here's preferential treatment. Next time you go to Chipotle and you see that person in the parking lot going, step up and go faster, but go to hold the door for them. Let them step in. They're going to do the same thing you would do. Me? You're going to let me get my delicious burrito before you have yours? It's like you hand them a $100 bill. You know what I'm saying? If you, want to, if you want to serve people, do that. Be a blessing to them. And there's tons of ways that you can do this in your life to prefer people, right? You want to have influence? Buy Krispy Kreme. Take it to the office in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Don't bring it here. I will, I will, I will hurt you. I got a thing for Krispy Kremes, and that is not a good thing. Don't you bring them here. <laughs> I went someplace special there for a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had my moment. <laughs> but listen, serving people opens the door to their hearts. Amen? And Paul said, 1 Corinthians nine nineteen, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He made himself a servant to win people. And if we want influence, we've got to be a servant. Second face, the man. This is the face of love. Look, if we, if we want to win people for Jesus, we need to build relationships with people to make a difference. Have you ever tried sharing Christ with somebody that you didn't know? Like you're that awkward person that every comic makes fun of, you know. Excuse me, do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You ever tried doing that before? I did when I was, when I was younger. I'd go out with evangelism teams and you know how much success I had? Zero. Personal experience, I'm not saying that it doesn't work. Personal experience, I had zero, zero success doing that. I got laughed off by a lot of people. I got a lot of arguments, theological debates that I didn't want to be in. And to be honest with you, nobody wins an argument. If you're in the middle of an argument over it, there's nothing wrong with apologetics and being able to defend your faith. That's a difference. But to argue with somebody, nobody's going to win this. You're not going to win them that way. Right? You're just not. And Jesus didn't get himself caught up in theological debates like that. He didn't. What did Jesus do? He leaned in relationally. He hung out with people. Jesus was known for sitting with sinners and dining with them and drinking with them. And, and, and I don't mean the drinking with them, you know, hey, I mean, he was known for being with them. And if we want to win people, we've got to lean in relationally with them. Lean in with them. We've got to do the same, do exactly what Jesus did. Around here, we realize that everybody's at a different place in their spiritual walk. You may not yet believe what I believe about the Bible, and that's okay. It doesn't matter what you believe. We still want you here. You're welcome. We still want you in our grow groups. I don't care if you're an atheist. Let's go. Let's go hang out. 
Let's do it. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. That's exactly what he would do. He would lean in relationally. And we have to do the same thing. Here at Simple Church, you, uh, Ryan. Ryan's right back here. Ryan is our, uh, the lead of one of the most important teams here, and that is the First Impressions team. Because they, he is responsible for everything that you see. He is responsible for the way you are greeted. He puts the banners out there, makes sure there's somebody in the parking lot. That guy is responsible for that. But Ryan wouldn't be here. He was sharing with me, I don't know, two weeks ago maybe? We were moving him in. He's like, you know, I wouldn't even be here today. I wouldn't be a Christian if it weren't for my relationship with Derek and Kyle. He said, if I didn't know those guys, I would never know Jesus like I know him today. And I've had the honor of baptizing this young man. I walk with him and watch him grow spiritually and, and baptized his wife as well. And, and she's helping lead the children's ministry. And, and now he's one of our head guys. I mean, this is a guy I rely on. And this church and this congregation would not have the blessing that we have in their family if it hadn't been for a relationship. We have to lean in, folks. We have to get to know people. We have to love them. Why? Because when you do, you act and you sound like Jesus. You are living like Jesus. So check out what Jesus said. John 13, 34 through 35, he said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Look, the distinguishing mark to the outside world should be how we love each other how we love people so that's the second exceptional quality the third one is the uh the face of the eagle this is the face of respect it's dignity it's honor there's something about the face of an eagle that commands respect right i mean anybody ever see an eagle fly in the, in the sky have you ever seen an eagle anybody just just one two three okay oh there's more it's like popcorn around here all right <coughs> When you see an eagle fly in the sky, man, there's just something awe-inspiring about that. When it spreads out its wings completely, you know, you, you kind of get it somewhere, something all patriotic in your heart, right? And you just, you, you just, America, America. You just, it goes, you go, it goes someplace special, right? It's awe-inspiring when you see an eagle those of you at home listening on the podcast, I just splashed water in my face to make it look like I was crying. End note. <laughs> <sighs> Got to be here. All right, so, but the eagle is impressive, and uh, part of our perspective of God should be this way, right? There are things about God, his nature, the way he created this world, where he resides, what he does, that should be impressive to us, that we should go, wow. Wow, he, did, he does what? He's got these kind of creatures in his throne room. Wow. And if we are really reflecting the character of God, then people ought to be able to look at our lives and go, wow. They ought to look at your marriages and go, wow. How are you guys able to stay together through that? That, was, that looked like it was difficult. And you have an opportunity to share how God has called you to be and how God's called you to love each other. They can go, wow. And then when they see your kids, I know your kids aren't going to be perfect, but they can look at your kids and see that your kids are obedient and, and respectful and and go, wow, and how'd you get your kids to do that? I said, well, we believe in a biblical way of raising our kids, and we speak to them about the truths that are in the Bible, and we hold them accountable to that. And you have opportunity to share Christ, because somebody went, wow, how do, how do, how do you do that? No, it's not that every, all the aspects of your life are always going to be perfect, but there should be some part of your life that people say, wow, to. How'd you do that? Why are you so full of joy? How do you have peace in the middle of that storm? 
wow. And around here, we work hard at that wow factor, right? We strive for an environment of excellence, not just for the king of all kings, but to make you go, wow. Why? Because it makes you feel respected. It's a huge pet peeve of mine to go to a church where you walk in and there's trash on the floor or maybe there's spilled coffee from, from last week that nobody bothered to clean up or the restrooms maybe aren't very clean or, or there's nobody to greet you when you come in or, or you know, they don't start service on time and the worship band didn't really practice or the words aren't up on the screen and, and you know, they don't end service when they say they're going to end service. Like it's all, to me, it's all disrespectful to the people that are coming to the service. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I'm not dogging anybody else or other churches. I'm not even going to name any. It's, it's, a, it's a pet peeve of mine. I think that you should respect the people that are coming to your church. And that's why we take time to put flags up at, at our driveway so that you know where you're going. If it's your first time here, you'll see the big flags waving and you say, that's where Simple Church is. Because otherwise, we're off the road. It's kind of hard to find you know, your first time. But you see those banners and you go, ah, they've thought of me. They're ready for me. They knew I was going to have a hard time finding the place today. There's my sign. I go in. And then you see signs pointing you to where you should park. And you go, wow. And then there's, there's I don't know if we had somebody out there today. I know a lot of people are missing because of the weather today. But generally, we have somebody in the parking lot pointing you to the best spots that are available. And you go, wow. Somebody will greet you when you walk in and give you a tour. And you go, wow. There's, there's the kids' ministry. And my kids are excited to go there because it looks like a city. And it just looks cool. And they got a tree out there. That's, what is that all about? Wow. And then there's coffee over here. And it's hot. And it's good. And they go, Wow. And then, I, you mean I can take my coffee into the auditorium? Praise Jesus, wow! And then the band is rocking and the pastor's preaching okay, and wow, and they end service on time and go, wow. You know, we, we believe that, that you should never leave an event held by the world and be more impressed by that event than when you leave the house of God because we are the hope of God in this earth. And we believe that you should walk away with that wow feeling. And people were overwhelmed in Jesus' time. They were amazed at the things that he did. And we have to be just like him. Jesus called us in Matthew to be the light or the salt of the earth and called us to be lights or cities on a hill. We have to be that thing that people look at and go, wow, I want, I want more of that. I want to know what that's about. It's an exceptional quality. Proverbs 28.1 talks about the righteous are as bold as a lion. And that's the lion, the, the fourth face here. Is the face of boldness. See, with respect and service and love, there still has to be a boldness that says right is right and wrong is wrong. We have a responsibility to call sin, sin. Not to be obnoxious, but to be bold about our beliefs, to be bold about what we're declaring. And this is God's glory. And we are supposed to be reflecting it. So, so how do we do this? How did Daniel, a guy who was continually put into a position of influence, do it? How should we respond to culture today? I think there's two words I want to leave you with today. And that is grace and truth. Grace and truth is how we do it. Because we need both. And any religious environment that you find yourself in that has one without the other is a toxic environment. Because people come and they hear grace, grace, grace. They believe they can live any way they want to. And on Sunday they can raise their hand and say, I repent. And then they go back out and they live a life of sin. They get stuck in a cycle of shame. Or there's people that come in and you just preach truth at, truth at them and you give them no grace and they walk away feeling beaten up like they could never amount to your standard of living. It's a toxic environment. But an environment that embraces both grace and truth 
can completely change the world. It can change the world. And we are supposed to reflect God's glory in this way. First, or John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It means He lived with us. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We need grace because we all need a Savior. Every one of us in this room, even the pastor up here on this stage, I need grace and I need a Savior. It means that no matter what we've done, no matter where we are, no matter what mistakes we've made in the past, we are accepted right where we are. But grace, com- grace combined with truth means it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it's for you to follow his will and his design according to the scriptures, and that's the truth. And we need to have the truth because it's the only thing that can set people free. Jesus embodied both of these, and we see it lived out when they brought the adulterous woman before him, you know, in a culture that brings the woman but leaves the man, didn't bring the guy before the city. They drug her out because they caught her in the act of adultery, sleeping with a married man. They dragged her naked into the city square to stone her, and they put Jesus in front of her and said, what do you say? And Jesus looked at the woman and said, I don't condemn you. And then he says, go and sin no more. Because he gave her grace. So what you've done, it's fine. I accept you where you're at. Caught in the middle of sin. Entangled in your own mess. But go and sin no more. That's grace and truth. I'd say we need that in our lives. We have to accept people where they are and love them. But we also have to be able to tell them they can't stay that way. That's how we embody this. Let's pray. If you bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, maybe you've heard the grace message before and you keep on living your life of sin. Coming back Sunday after Sunday to God because you've been told he's full of grace and you can just repent later. Do what you want. Live how you want. But you're stuck. And if you're being honest with yourself, you're stuck in a cycle of shame. And you want out. Or maybe someone has shared the truth with you but it was so painful because they didn't share it with grace that they drove you from God. It, created a wound in you because you felt judged but the truth is God wants to give you both his grace and his truth today by God's grace and truth you can be set free he loves you right where you are as you are but he won't leave you the same way and we have to embrace that today and if you're ready to do that if you'd like to say Aaron count me in I won't embarrass you by asking you to come up to the front or even to stand in your seat if you would just simply shoot your hand in the air I know that you want me to count you in for accepting Christ today. If you want to do that, do it now. Shoot your hand in the air. Thank you. Appreciate those hands. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you that raised your hands, I just want you to pray this in your heart quietly. You got to mean it. And God will hear you and honor it. Pray in your heart, God, I'm tired of this. I need to change. I need you to rescue me. So today I'm inviting you to come into my life, to take control. Be my Lord Jesus. Be in charge. Make me brand new. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to be the person you made me to be. And then, Father, I pray for everyone else here. Lord, I pray that you would help us to reflect your glory, that we can be transformed to look like Jesus. We ask that you would give us opportunities to serve and love, ways to embrace excellence so people feel respected and opportunities to be bold and speak your truth with grace 
so that lives can be changed. God, help us to do that this week. Give us opportunities, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen.